This Valentine's Day, love is in the air. And for a lot of people, Cupid's arrow is ready to strike. It may hit you beneath a shared umbrella on a rainy sidewalk. Hey, it might strike you on an app. But what about at work? I'm Erin Delmore, and this is As We Work from The Wall Street Journal. Let's be honest. Cupid's arrow comes with real danger sometimes, especially if it's tied up in how you make your money. But that doesn't stop a lot of people from trying to make a love connection on the job. Get this. Around a quarter of U.S. workers are either currently in a workplace romance or have been in one, according to a poll by the Society for Human Resource Management. That number had actually edged even higher during the pandemic. Hat tip to all those romances that blossomed on Zoom. You indeed found love in a hopeless place. But for many others, it's like that old saying... Love happens when you least expect it. Take Miguel Herrera. In 2017, he fell in love with one of his coworkers. I could feel like we had chemistry despite feeling like we were very different people. Um, and obviously we were working together and even doing some projects together. So I didn't really know how to manage the sort of lines in between those different roles that we had as coworkers, um, roommates, and, and friends too. His crush? Not only his colleague... She was also his roommate. They met on a one-year assignment with the National Service Program AmeriCorps Vista at a healthcare nonprofit in Telluride, Colorado. He was thinking, I like this person, but if I jeopardize it, you know, by trying to take that next step, then maybe the work uh, dynamic would be would get weird. Miguel's in good company. It turns out that more than 40% of U.S. workers have had a crush on someone they work with, according to the Society for Human Resource Management poll. It's easy to see the appeal of dating someone at work. It's a chance to see your partner or crush at the top of their game, which is attractive. And a lot of FaceTime builds trust. To hear traveling emergency department nurse Lindsay Jones tell it, I'm going to watch your work ethic. Like, is this person going to be a good partner in life? And, you know, you can learn a lot from nursing. I'm watching you take care of patients. I'm watching you, you know, with your time management. Are you a slob? Like, all these things are ways to vet people, and we haven't even gone on a date. She met her current girlfriend, who's also an emergency department nurse, at work. Dating or hooking up with someone at work is one of those things that people do a whole lot more than they say they do it. Around 60% of people who've been in a workplace romance have kept it a secret, according to that Society for Human Resource Management poll. To be clear, we're talking about consensual relationships, ones that both people are down for. We're not talking about the instances of people in power hitting on coercing, or preying on their subordinates. Those often quiet stories surfaced in mass a few years ago thanks to the Me Too movement, sparking very public conversations about what's okay at work and what's not. Our guest is crystal clear about how to find out if someone's interested and what to do if you get anything but a neon green go light in response. Hint, stand down. And this conversation isn't just for the dating set. Many of us know how uncomfortable it is to be the unintended audience to that office romance that is not so secretive, thank you very much. Because it does happen. Think about it. 
you're spending 40 plus hours a week with your coworkers, probably more time than you're spending with anyone else. Lindsay Jones again. I'm so busy um, at work. When are you going to meet anybody? I mean, honestly, I'm, I've joked that someone's going to like have to teleport into my room because I have no time. I don't go to bars. I'm not clubbing. You know, I'm 36 years old. I go to the gym and I have headphones in and I definitely put off the don't talk to me vibe. I now have just like embraced the fact that whoever I end up with, um, I'm probably going to meet at work and I'm 100% okay with that. People are conflicted about office romance, and the emotional math doesn't really add up. The Society for Human Resource Management poll found that 75% of workers here in the U.S. say they're totally fine with their colleagues being in a workplace romance. But 40% say that workplace romances are unprofessional. Like it or not, your professional and personal reputations get intertwined when your significant other works with you. Take it from Michelle Moore, a public relations specialist and writer in Columbus, Ohio. When she and her former husband were married, he hired her to do contract work for his company. At new client meetings, she rattled off her credentials so they knew exactly why she was the right person for the job. You don't want somebody to think that you're sleeping with the boss and that's why you're there. You you know, you want to be there on your own merits. For 10 years, she and her husband worked together off and on, and it worked fine. Then they divorced. But get this, not even a year after their divorce, they started working together again to the surprise of clients and colleagues. It's definitely an 800-pound gorilla in the room until you address it. So usually at the start of some meeting, he would say something funny about being divorced from me to disarm everybody. And that would do it. He would usually make light of the situation. Maybe things like she's better to work with than to be married to. (laughs) I don't know. And I would say the same about him. He's better to work with than to be married to. So you guys are in luck because here we both are. Turns out that managing the end of your workplace relationship is as important as managing its start. And although it might seem unromantic, it's worth thinking that through from the jump. It was definitely on Miguel Herrera's mind when he and his girlfriend got together. So one of the the things I did before I actually asked her to date me was was to think through, like, if this doesn't work out, what would you do? Like, how are you going to make sure that you can keep, stay professional at work? Miguel says they followed their workplace's policy and told their supervisor. And that having their relationship out in the open was freeing. Theirs is a super happy story. They've been together for five and a half years, although they don't work together anymore. And it made me think, for some people... It might make sense to let Cupid's arrow strike on the job. But what if it doesn't work out? Next up, we're speaking to a person who's seen it all. The good, the bad, and the messy when it comes to office romance. And he'll tell us how to navigate it. Stay with us. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. Robert Half is here to help. Our recruiting professionals utilize our proprietary AI to connect businesses with highly skilled talent. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Love can be really, really, really complicated, especially at work. That's where Josh Goodbaum comes in. He's an employment lawyer in Connecticut who can give advice on real-life office romances, 
and why the ones we see on TV sitcoms might not be the best models. He's here to tell us how it is possible to mix love and work with minimal risk, so you don't wind up in his office. Okay, Josh, in one word, relationships at work, good or bad? Risky. Afraid I can't give you a a one-word answer that's either of the words that you offered. I like risky. Tell us why. It's not that it's a fireable offense exactly. It's that your employer doesn't need a good reason to fire you. So some companies have policies that prohibit all workplace relationships because they are concerned about the second legal principle that is sexual harassment, right? So they don't want to open themselves up to potential liability. And there's also evidence that suggests that workplaces that are permeated with romance or fraternization or sexual innuendo are workplaces people don't want to work in. And so your employer might make a decision that's simply, hey, We don't want that in our workplace. Work is a place for work, and that's it. We want to make super clear here that we're talking about colleagues in the office who are dating or two people who are interested in getting involved romantically. We're not talking about somebody who is hitting on their coworkers or being inappropriate. Definitely not talking about two people who are in a hierarchy, because that seems like a real big no. Yeah, that's definitely one of my rules for workplace dating. For the boss the risk is obvious. Your subordinate may not feel comfortable saying no, and you might unwittingly engage in what we call quid pro quo sexual harassment. Or your subordinate might say no, and then the next time you give them constructive criticism, they're going to think it's retaliation. Now, for the person in the bottom of the hierarchy, the risk is less obvious, but it's no less real. Date the boss, and your professional accomplishments are no longer your own. Your coworkers are likely to believe they're the product of favoritism, and other members of management are likely to discount any praise you receive. Yikes. Okay. And Josh, you've worked with a lot of folks in this realm. Have you seen a number of these relationships take off pleasantly? I mean, are we seeing folks who've met at work and have this beautiful, flourishing marriages? Conversely, have you seen it blow up? I mean, what do you see? I have seen many workplace relationships go south. But that's because most of what I see as an employment lawyer is situations where there's a problem, right? If everything's going well, nobody needs me. That's the thing about being a lawyer. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, So one of the things I tell people when they're getting into a consensual workplace relationship really early on, and this is maybe the least romantic place to start an office romance, is you've got to check your employee handbook. What are the policies? What are the rules that your employer expects you to follow? I'm guessing that you meet with a lot of folks who have these relationships at work and don't think that HR or their boss or their colleagues are going to find out. Do people have a false sense of of how secretive they're being? Are they that? Maybe it's just me. Are they that secretive? People are really stupid when it comes to romance. (laughs) Um, And I can't tell you the number of inappropriate text messages and emails and photographs and uh, videos that I have seen between coworkers. So, uh, you know, even if you're not documenting any of this and something that I as a lawyer can look at later, it is inevitable that people, including your bosses, including HR, are going to find out about what's going on, right? If your relationship is succeeding in the way we conventionally think of succeeding. You two get serious. You're moving in together. Maybe you're getting married. You're going to tell HR, everybody knows you met at work. Where else would you have met? Right? So frankly, it's just better for optics. It's better for your career trajectory. It's better for your reputation that the bosses hear it from you than hear it through the grapevine. Well, defining relationships is so murky 
in the real world I was gonna take it say, out of an office yes. context and it's so tricky and suddenly this person's your colleague even if you work in different departments you you see each other all the time what is a relationship to one person might might not be a relationship to another right. person right awkward enough when it's two people who don't work together but it's particularly awkward when the stakes are not just your feelings or your personal future but also your professional future and reputation well i'll tell you i love awkward so let's bring in two of my favorites, Kelly and Ryan from the TV show The Office. Ooh, okay. An on-again, off-again couple that likes to bring all their drama into work and sometimes make the people around them a little uncomfortable. Here's Kelly talking about it to a coworker. Oh my God, Jim, last night, Ryan and I totally, finally hooked up. It oh, was awesome. That's great. I'm really happy for it. I know, and it was so yeah. funny because we were at this bar with his friends and mm-hmm. I was sitting next to him the whole night and it wasn't making a move. So in my head, I was like, Ryan, what's taking you so long? <laughs> and then he kissed me. Okay, Josh, our expert, what say you? Well, I guess it, uh, it depends on who I'm advising, but I'd probably mm-hmm. tell Kelly... It's good to be friends with your colleagues, but maybe those are not the sorts of friendships where you want to talk about your romantic interests. Likewise, if you're Jim, it's perfectly appropriate to say to Kelly, hey, Kelly, I'm happy to be your friend, but I'm not interested in talking about what might be a blossoming relationship between you and another one of our coworkers. I think it's just a really fraught area. It's dangerous. I don't want to say something that will be misinterpreted or that I'll regret. And let's just keep this workplace professional. Yeah. That might sound really boring, but the reality is that boring minimizes risk. Jim might, frankly. <laughs> Jim doesn't sound that pleased to be talking with Kelly about. And I should I should add here that it's not just Kelly and Ryan who have a problem here. It's also Jim in the sense that Jim yeah. here may be sexually harassed too. We don't often think about the consequences of workplace relationships on the people who aren't in it on your other coworkers. But there's a second kind of sexual harassment. There's not just what we call quid pro quo, that is the conditioning of a workplace benefit on what some people call sexual favors. There's also something called hostile work environment sexual harassment. That's when someone is working in a workplace environment that is permeated with sexual innuendo with references to sex or romance or relationships. And that can be just as uncomfortable or damaging to somebody as can be quid pro quo sexual harassment. Well, I'm glad you're bringing up the effects that this has on other people in the office because a lot of times people can kind of run into a situation that they don't want to be a part of, and it's not really a case of oversharing. It might be a case of seeing something that you don't want to see. We have another clip here from the office, and this is an exchange between Phyllis and Angela. And Angela's kind of bullying Phyllis a little bit, and Phyllis decides it might be time to use a little bit of leverage that she has against Angela. This is Angela. Face it, the only power you have over me is this little secret that I know you're not going to tell. Oh, and you want to know how I know that? Because then you won't be able to plan your stupid tacky parties anymore. So you move the tree. Okay. Angela's having sex with Dwight. I caught them doing it after Toby's going away party. Oh, God love you, Phyllis. The (laughs) long-suffering Phyllis. I mean, this scene makes me think of another thing I tell people frequently who are in consensual workplace relationships or thinking about an office romance. Office romance should not mean romance at the office. Ah. Don't flirt at work. Don't kiss at work. Don't hook up at work. It might sound steamy. It might be a thing that happens on Grey's Anatomy or The Office, but it is a recipe for disaster. That goes for long married couples as much as goes for people in new or blossoming relationships. 
Well, let's go to breaking up. Yeah. Because the real question I want to ask is, you know, breaking up is so difficult under even the best of circumstances. But when you break up with someone at work, you're still going to see them. You're still in their orbit. So what's the responsible way to go about it, Josh? Well, if you've followed my advice, then you have reported your relationship to HR toward the beginning of the relationship. And so just as you needed to document the start of your relationship, you do need to document the end of it. Nothing's going to make your breakup easy, but what will make it less likely to result in an HR complaint is to be transparent about it. So go to HR, tell them you two are no longer together, and then help HR coordinate how to manage that, right? Maybe it involves a transfer for one of you. Um, it shouldn't be an involuntary transfer, but maybe one of you would prefer a different opportunity. Maybe you'd prefer a change of scenery. Maybe you'd prefer a change of reporting structure. Is it the company's responsibility, though, to make sure that both people can work through that breakup and that each person's comfortable? It's not their legal obligation in the sense that it's not like you've reported a disability to you know for which you're entitled to a reasonable accommodation. On the other hand, Companies want to solve problems in their workforce by and large because it costs them a lot of money to hire and train people. And if you're doing your job well, they probably want you to continue to succeed there. It seems to me like when employees get together at work, there's no real benefit for the company. But when they break up, there's just downside for the company. Am I just being cynical? Well, that may be why you're seeing companies prohibit consensual workplace relationships entirely. They're saying, we just don't want to deal with this. This should How not be our problem. How common is that, though? I, because you're not talking about bosses and subordinates. You're, you're saying companies prohibiting consensual relationships, full stop. Right. I don't think anybody knows the answer to that. Different companies have different policies, and there are no laws that tell a company it has to have one policy or another. Some simply say, no fraternization. Others say if you're going to end up in a relationship, you tell us. And many companies, these tend to be smaller companies, don't have any policies about this at all. You know, it's so tricky, though, because I think people come to this topic with so many feelings of their own. Oh, I would never date somebody at work. Or conversely, I'd love to date someone at work. Here's somebody who I think is trustworthy, who I know I can rely on, who I've gotten to know. It can feel like a great choice. How else are you going to meet somebody? Right. What is a more quintessential contemporary American romance than Barack and Michelle Obama? And where did they meet? They met at Sidley Austin. At work, at a law firm. Right. Well, knowing all you know, and given all you've seen, would you date somebody at work? This is such a lawyer answer, but it depends. Oh, I, I don't think here, here's what I tell you I wouldn't do. I definitely would not date somebody in my reporting structure. I probably would not date someone where if we broke up, I couldn't keep my job or they couldn't keep their job. But if I worked at a yeah. big company and I met someone I was attracted to who worked in a different department, I might find a way to send that person a text message or a personal email, try to get in touch with them other than through the the workplace official communication channels. And I might say, hey, do you want to grab a drink sometime? Right? Make sure you give the person mm -hmm. an out. Make sure they're free to say no. Don't ask more than once. Um, and maybe it'll turn into something. But if it doesn't, that's okay. And if you date for a while and then you break up, you can probably both go on working at this company and not have to interact all that much. There's awkwardness and then there's catastrophe in a breakup and you want to try to avoid the latter. Avoiding catastrophe feels like a really good game plan. Yeah, yeah. It, any, any lawyer would tell you that, I think. <laughs> Josh's playbook for playing by the rules in an office romance. 
First, figure out if the relationship is worth the risk. If you start dating, make it workplace official by telling HR or your supervisor. Better that your bosses hear it from you than through the grapevine. Remember that, as Josh says, your personal and professional reputations are intertwined, and word might get out. And be prepared for the consequences if the relationship doesn't work out. Next time on the show, we're thinking about how you return to work. Not just coming back from a vacation, but after many months away. Maybe you were caring for a sick relative, or taking care of your own health issue, or having a baby. It can be so tough to return from a leave of absence. There might be new coworkers, new policies, maybe even a new boss. How can you prepare for a successful return to work and manage expectations and limitations around what it'll take as you get back into the groove? That's next week. Like the show? Tell your friends to subscribe and give us a five-star review on your favorite platform. As We Work is a production of The Wall Street Journal. Charlotte Gartenberg is our producer. Jonathan Sanders is our booking producer. Scott Salloway is our supervising producer. Our sound designers are Jessica Fenton and Michael Laval, and Jessica Fenton composed our theme music. I'm Erin Delmore. See you next time. <laughs>